right, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Gridiron Fantasy Football Podcast for Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. And I'm Chip Donner, your host, and thank you so much for listening today. If you're a listener, thank you so much for joining us as well. If you'd like to share our podcast, you can find us over on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. If you'd like to watch us, you can watch us over on YouTube at Gridiron Fantasy Football. So please do me a favor, hit subscribe, support the show, so you don't miss any more episodes this offseason. And on today's episode, I'm going to talk about my top 12 tight ends for 2021. Um, you know, this is the, one of the hardest positions to try to um, to rank just because of the volume and the guys that um, are pretty much the guys who are, we know the guys who are consistent and then trying to figure out you know, who's going to fall in that top 12 of the tight ends and all that. But did my best to figure out what I think would be the top 12 for 2021. But before we do that, let's uh, talk about some of the news that took place um, on Monday. Um, now going back to the pages, we know last week we we're talking about how Mac Jones was taking more of the first team reps and looking a little bit better than Cam Newton. And it continues to be the case. Albert Breer continues to report that, um, Mac Jones has done enough to really give himself a real chance to try to win a spot for, as a starting quarterback over Cam Newton, you know, they have to figure out what they want to do at quarterback. They got to figure out if Cam Newton's the guy going forward, they're going to be able to win with Cam Newton you know, obviously Cam Newton's on the decline, but, you know, he's still, if he, there's a talent around him, he still can be a decent of quarterback, but we don't know what Mac Jones looks like right now. We don't know what he looks like in games. So obviously Cam Newton has the experience. Cam Newton has been an MVP in this league. So I still want to give benefit of the doubt to uh, Cam Newton on what's going to happen with New England. But the real, the real test will come during real competition, during the preseason and whatnot, and see how that goes. But right now, all the, you know, all the, the hype is around Mac Jones right now. And also Albert Breer is reporting that rookie quarterback Justin Fields for the Chicago Bears um, should get a lot of playing time in the preseason, right? I mean, this is obvious. He's a rookie. They want to see what they got. You're going to see him play a lot more than Andy Dalton during the during the preseason. But I just still think that they shouldn't just beat around the bush. Just start Justin Fields. Like I said last week on the podcast, I do think that it really makes no sense not to put Justin Fields in there. I understand it's a confidence thing, whatnot, and Andy Dalton has been there, done that, but I don't see why if you're going to take someone like Justin Fields early in the draft, I know he's raw, I know he's a rookie, but man, just throw him in there and see what he can do and hopefully uh, win you some games. But um, I don't think there's really any upside to start Andy Dalton over Justin Fields other than the experience there. I know that goes a long way, but... Um, right now, I think Justin Fields should be considered be more considered the starter than he is now by the coach the coaching staff. But we'll see what happens. Uh, and in, in Cleveland, Nick Chubb and his agent are talking about a, con- a contract extension. So, you know, obviously, this is a guy that the offense is kind of built around. They are run heavy offense. I know they got OBJ. I know they got Jarvis Landry. I know they got a lot of you know pass catchers, but they're a run heavy offense, and Nick Chubb is the guy to build around. You know, him and Kareem Hunt are the one-two tandem that is just a really, really good uh, complement to one another. So seeing him get paid and seeing him, you know, being clean for a longer period of time has always been nice to see. You know, Cleveland is on the upward trend of, you know, be, being one of those consistent playoff teams. So um, it'll, be, it'll be cool to see Nick Chubb kind of be part of that. Then also going, coming out of Kansas City, looks like Patrick Mahomes um, looked pretty good during OTAs that he did not seem limited. So anybody who's worried about his toe, the surgery they had in the offseason, 
it looks like he's good to go, um, and he should be 100% from this for the season. So anybody who wanted, who's worried about drafting him or has some apprehension on drafting him early, you know, he's gonna be a guy that is, he should be good to go by the by the season start. But um, as of right now, that's all the news that we have today. Kind of a slow news day, not really much going on. But you know, obviously, I, I try to update you guys as much as possible, especially on Instagram. I try to if there if there's any like really big breaking news, I try at least be able to. Um, do something on the social media to kind of let you guys know that what's going on. Um, but before we get into the rankings for 2021 for my tight end position, I just want to say again, hope all the all the dads out there had a happy Father's Day. They spent a lot of good quality time with their with their dad or with their kids. And I know for me, it was awesome spending the whole weekend with my daughter and just be able to you know really uh, you know do things that we usually never, usually don't do. So. It was fun. Really enjoyed the time. So I hope every you know all the dads out there were able to really enjoy time with their with their family and whatnot. So uh, with that being said, let's go right into the rankings. You know I'm gonna go from my my twelfth rank to my first rank. And at number twelve, I have Evan Ingram. So Evan Ingram last year finished as a tight end fifteen. Um, he scored 141 PPR points. He played all sixteen games, which is a rare thing for Evan Ingram. He usually usually does not play sixteen games, but Last year, his stats were a little on the lower side, but you know he still, you know, he still got you know 654 yards receiving. Uh, he had a touchdown, a passing touchdown, then he had a rushing touchdown. Um, the thing about it too, he did have he had 63 receptions for 100 on 109 targets. So the stats weren't there for him last year. The Giants were kind of a mess all you know all last season, and but you look at the 109 targets, they were still trying to get him the ball. It just didn't. It just didn't go his way last year when it came to what he was uh, getting from the on the stat sheet. But the thing is, he had twenty two percent of the target share last year. He led the team. You know, he had the fifth most targets for a tight end in the slot position with forty four. So, you know, they always try to find ways to get that that matchup. You know, mismatch and you know out of the slide. And Evan Ingram is kind of a hybrid tight end receiver. But you know, he's he's been a pretty when he's playing, he's getting the the. The targets, he's pretty productive. Last year, I think kind of throughout what happened last year, just because the Giants overall after late loss Barkley was kind of a you know disarray. But um the only bad thing about Evan Ingram that I have is that you know he hasn't led the team in targets since 2017, which when he was a rookie. You know, you gotta think about what's 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 going on this year, right? They got they got Barkley's coming back, they added Kenny Galladay, they still got Derry Slate, and they still got Sterling Shepard there. So they're always they're, all those guys are good demand targets. So will they will take away for you know targets from Ever Ingram in a sense? I do think that you know it does take away some of the targets from Ever Ingram, but I still think because he plays tight end, I don't think that he's gonna see so, that's a huge drop off because I feel like he's the he's the safety net for Daniel Jones, and I think that because they can add more mismatches with Evan Ingram, that he'll get a lot more opportunity, that he'll be able to be a pretty productive fantasy tight end, but. The problem is, is that the strength of schedule this year is pretty challenging for him. He has a seventh worst strength of schedule, so you factor that in, factor in some of the additions to the actual, um, you know, offense this year. You got Barkley coming back. You know, Barkley, you know, when he's healthy, they try to get him close to 100 targets as well. So like he, he's a guy that you know we see, you know, really eat up that that those target shares. So we'll see what happens, but. I do think Evan Ingram around 12 is a pretty good ranking. I think that's good value for him, you know, because he has the potential to be a top five guy if everything goes his way. I, I'm a I'm a Daniel Jones believer this year. I think that with the work he put in the offseason, with the with the talent he has around him, 
I think Daniel Jones has an opportunity to be a really good uh, uh, you know, value pick for fantasy drafts this year. Now, moving on to number 11, I got Mike Jasicki. Now, last year, he finished at the tight end seven. He scored 159.3 PPR points. He played 15 games. Uh, he had 703 yards and six, t- t- uh, six touchdowns. He had 53 receptions off 85 targets. So, you know, he had 15% of the target share last year. He saw the second most targets for a tight end with 53. Um, he was, four, you know, the good thing about this year, too, he has the fourth best strength of schedule. So, you know, with, with him, he does play the slot a lot. He does have, you know, when you when you have the second most targets for a tight end with 53, that's from the slot position. So they like using him in the slot. They like trying to create those mismatches. So I think for him, uh, that's the good things going, you know, going well for Mike Jasicki. The bad side about things, they added Jalen Waddle right from the draft, and they added Will Fuller. So, you know, he generally was the second option. You had Devontae Parker was the number one guy. Then it looked like Mike Jasicki was the guy that was that second option right now because they added so much. I think that you're not going to see him being used as much or getting the same target share. Um, and with 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 Ryan Fitzpatrick moving on to, you know, Washington, who knows if Tua is going to utilize him a lot, if he's going to be kind of his, his first read or second read, who knows. But I think that, you know, Mike Jasicki at 11 is a pretty good rank for him uh, for this year. Now, moving on to number 10, I got Robert Tunyon. Now, he was he finished the season with the, as the tight end four. He was very inconsistent last year. He had a, a couple blow-up games, but he wasn't a guy that you would expect to have a top, you know, top five finish. But he scored 176.6 PPR points, played all 16 games. He only had a 586 yards receiving, but he had 11 touchdowns. Okay, so he had 52 receptions on 59 targets. So not a lot of high volume there. That's probably one of the lowest we've seen when it comes to actual targets and volume. And he was very efficient last year. So that being the case, I mean... I don't know exactly how he will be this year, but the good thing about last year was that he did have eight end zone targets and he converted eight end zone targets to seven touchdowns. So when they're around the end zone, he was used. So that's where majority of his touchdowns came from. So he's a guy that I don't think you're going to see consistent play from him, but a guy that you know could potentially get you a touchdown because they use him so much in the end zone. But the problem is just like Devontae Adams, just like Aaron Jones and that whole Packers offense, the downside to it, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, right? We still don't know a lot what's going on with him. We know that he's not coming to Green Bay right now. But the thing is, is that even Robert Tunney, he was forked on the team in targets, right? So that going back to the whole volume thing, will he have the volume in order to be a productive fancy guy that you can feel good about starting every single week? You know, he really, you know, he, he rarely ran routes in the slot. So that means that they strictly use him off the line. So that, to me, puts me to where that volume is. is they, how are they going to use him? Are they going to try to create mismatches based on their offense? But on the other downside, the Green Bay Packers for the tight end position have the third worst strength of schedule. So it, there's a lot of factors in there. But these are the guys that we have right now available when it comes to picking out the best top 12 guys that you can draft without you know overreaching or whatnot and trying to figure out some of the volume. But you know if Jordan Love does play and... It's a big possibility that if that happens, that maybe maybe Robert Tunyon becomes the guy that is his favorite target. But that's yet to be determined. We don't know yet until training camp starts, until the preseason starts, and actual season. So, you know, I think right there, Robert Tunyon, there is there is some value there. But uh, I'm just concerned because of the fact that he didn't have he had one blow up game in Week Four against the Falcons. 
That's where he had his 33-point PPR game. And then after that, it was pretty much up and down the whole entire rest of the season. So we'll see, but I have him at 10 as of right now. And going to number nine, I got Logan Thomas. Now, this was crazy to me. He finished as the tight end three last year. He had 176.6 PPR points. He had 670 yards on and six touchdowns. This was crazy. He had 110 targets and 72 receptions. So I didn't realize he had that many targets last year, but they were feeding him the ball last year. Like the pros about him, he had 19% of the target share. You know, he saw the most you know, targets from the slot with 70. So Washington is a team that tries to create those mismatches and they try to get him in the slot because he ran the most routes from the slot last year with 70. Or he, had, or he had the most targets from the slot with 70. So um, the only problem with that is that now they brought in Curtis Samuel. Is he to play the slot? Will that take away from some of Logan Thomas's production there? And also, too, I didn't realize that as well. The running back position saw 153 targets last year total, right? So, but JD McKissick had 109 targets. So that that's concerning to me. You bring in Cart, you know, you bring in Curtis Samuel. JD McKissick, you know, got his targets. Does Antonio Gibson take a, you know, he had like 44 targets last year. Does he come up and get more targets this year as well? How does that start looking with Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback? But um, I don't, I, I feel like he is a decent tight end to draft. I don't know if you'll get the tight end three finish this year because they added so much to that to the offense. But right now, I mean, you know, Logan Thomas, he, you know, he's a guy that that is a seems like a pretty good value pick with some good upside. So um, maybe this doesn't hurt him as much with Curtis Samuel coming in because of the, you know, of the of the new offense. But who knows? But Logan Thomas at nine for me, and then moving on to number eight, I got Dallas uh, Goddard. He is. He finished last year as like tight end twenty. Uh, he he scored one hundred sixteen point four PPR points. He only played eleven games last year. He had a, he had an injury throughout the season. Um, he had a fracture in his ankle, and then he only he only had five hundred twenty four receiving yards and three touchdowns. So, you know, if you look at you know Dallas, you know Goddard and and Robert Tunyon, right? They were close in yardage, but the difference is Tunyon had eleven touchdowns. So, and even though uh, Goddard only played like eleven games. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, the that's 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 the craziness of like the rankings and whatnot. What makes you finish a certain way and 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 everything. But, uh, you know, Dallas Goddard had you know forty six receptions, sixty five targets. So, the good thing about it, he had eleven percent of the target share. You know, the downside to it is he going to be healthy. You know, you still got Zach Ertzer as of right now. He hasn't been traded. Um, how will the, the I, I do not like. I usually don't like teams that have a new head coach, a new offense. You got a new starting quarterback with Jalen Hurts. Because we know Carson Wentz was very favorable to the tight ends, especially Zach Ertz. So I don't know. And the tight ends are not really looked that much with the, at the tight, at the tight end position is not very really looked that much at the, in the end zone. Him and Zach Ertz only had eight combined, combined targets in the end zone. So they're not really looked at when it comes to, you know, scoring and, and the scoring, you know, scoring drives and opportunities. So, that's something that makes me concerned about about him, but there's so much upside with Goddard that I think that it's just one. You know, you have to kind of look at what's value with the time position when you're when you're ranking when you're trying to draft past with Waller off the board or Kelsey or Kittle. After that, man, it's like you're trying to find upside in value. So I feel like that's a good that's that's a good value pick for him that you're not going to see the guy that could have potentially you know so much value that can bring you top five tight end, you know, peep, you know, fancy points if, you know, there's opportunity there. So I think eight's a good spot for him. At number seven, I have Noah Fant. 
Last year, he finished as a tight end eight. He scored 149.3 PPR points. He played 15 games. He had 673 uh, receiving yards and three touchdowns. He has 62 receptions on 93 targets. Now, he did have 73% of the targets shared. You know, he was second to Jerry Judy. Um, and the good thing about this year, too, he has a top three strength of schedule. So those are the good things about what happened with him last year and how he was utilized. You know, now, compared to this year, that's where things are going to be a little different for, for Noah Fant. Uh, one, the biggest thing, he has Drew Locke as his quarterback. Um, and you got Corton Sutton coming back. He's the wide receiver one. You know, he got he had, got injured last year, so obviously I pushed Jerry Judy as the number one, and Noah Fant had the he was number two in target share. But I think with that being the case, now Noah Fant becomes the third option in my book, and so I think that um, that's the only thing that I feel like is going to hinder his upside. And also, too, he doesn't line up in the slot at all. So that combined with with the Corton Sun coming back and then Drew Locke, I feel like he's just not going to have that upside that I was hoping for this year, but um, there's still potential there. You know, something happened. You know, there's, there's some rumblings with Deshaun Watson that the Broncos were still, you know, interested in Deshaun Watson. You had Aaron, uh, sorry, Aaron Rodgers had a possibility that they were interested in training for him. So a lot of things could change from now to training camp to the beginning of the season. But as of right now, number seven for me for Noah Fant. Now moving on to number six, I got TJ Hawkinson. Last year, he finished as a tight end five. He had 175.3 PPR points. He played 16 games. Uh, he had 723 yards and six touchdowns. He had 101 targets, and he had 67 receptions. The good thing about it, he has a 19, he had 19% target share last year. And But what I think was going to increase his value this year and its upside is the departure of Marvin Jones makes room for Hawkson to possibly be the number one option there, right, You know, for, for Jared Goff. You know, Jared Goff's in a new offense. TJ Hawkinson's been, you know, they're all kind of learning that new offense with the, the new head coach and everything. But I feel like TJ Hawkinson is a guy that could be his safety net. Uh, you know, and also, too, they lead the league and targets available. So I think that's that's a good thing as well, where you got Marvin Jones gone, Kenny Galladay gone. Now you really have, you got some some younger guys that are going to be, you know, Tyra Williams is there um, and whatnot. But I think, like, Hawkinson, this is an opportunity for him to really become a elite tight end if he gets the opportunity. You know, he was top 10 in the end zone targets for a tight end, so that's good for him. But the only downside to him is that, like I said before, he has Jared Goff as his quarterback. I've never been a fan of Jared Goff. I think that it was really Sean McVay that really helps him become what he is. But I could be wrong. I would love to eat crow if if Jared Goff becomes, becomes a, a, a good quarterback, even after leaving the, the Rams. But... Another downside to TJ Hawkinson, he has the league worst strength of schedule for a tight end for fantasy football this year. So that's the only downside to it. So um, I think there's really a good upside there. I think there's good you know options for the the value for him for to get him pretty cheap, but also have some increase, you know, get some real good value out. And because of the fact that he's going to have the targets there. So um, a guy that you would, you know, hopefully consider as a, as a, a value pick. And at number five, I actually got Kyle Pitts here. Um, wasn't going to rank him this high until Julio Jones left Atlanta, but you know, obviously he's a rookie. You know, we really don't rank rookies so high. However, you know, this is a guy that everyone is just, just you know, can't wait to see play. He's a guy that brings so much upside. He's kind of a hybrid tight end with wide receiver, great route runner, super athletic. Um, the good thing about the Atlanta Falcons, they utilize the the tight end position. So, 
even when Julio Jones was there and Calvin, you know, Calvin John or Calvin Ridley was there, you know, uh, Austin Hooper was a guy that got a lot of got a, a lot of the targets here. So I think that you know last year tight ends for for uh, the tight end you know for the Falcons had a fourteen five percent target share. So that is that's a good availability there. But also I think that Howard could because of Julio Jones leaving, I do think that Pitts becomes the second option for for Matt Ryan. I think that you got Calvin Ridley, but then after that I really don't see we I mean, got Russell Gage there. But I feel like because of the athleticism of Kyle Pitts, I can't see why he can't be the second option and be a really good tight end this year. I think this is a guy that I think his hype is going to continue to go up in drafts, and he's a guy that could definitely bring you some so much value there if you can get him pretty cheap. But the good thing about it, you know, you got a top five passing offense, and you know, you know, in Atlanta, and then you got a top five strength of schedule. So I think combine those two things. Now we don't know exactly how. Atlanta's going to be without Julio Jones, but I, I feel like pro- productivity-wise, I feel like you'll get some good value from Kyle Pitts. Now, moving on to number four, I got Mark Andrews. Last year, he finished at the tight end six. He scored 170.1 PPR points. He only played 14 games. He had 701 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. He had 58 receptions on 88 targets. The good thing about this, he was he had 23% of the target share. That was second in the you know second on the Ravens. Uh, he had the third most targets for a tight end with 51 from the slot. So he's a guy that it, it is getting utilized in the slot as well, which is a good thing to kind of see a tight end have um, more opportunities there. Uh, he was second best in the league with 13 end zone targets. So he was a guy when they got close to the end zone, that was Lamar Jackson's one of his go-to targets. And that's where he got a lot of his production from. But the downside about this now is that scoring opportunities, right? Uh, you got Hollywood Brown. You got Sammy Watkins now coming over from Kansas City, and they drafted in the first round Rashad Bateman. So that kind of makes me a little bit concerned because the Ravens are a run-heavy team. Lamar Jackson, you know, he obviously is a a guy that's going to run for a thousand yards, and he doesn't really have that upside when it comes to passing. You know, he does. He had he had twenty six passing touchdowns last year, so the opportunity for that that to happen for Mark Andrews, I just don't know if it will be there. But you know, he's a guy that like like I said. When you're looking for a fantasy when you're looking for a tight end position, especially when you, when you wait to get a tight end, you know, th- these guys that are four, you know, ranked fourth through 12th, these guys that you're going to plug and just play and hope for the best, hope for a touchdown, hope for, you know, a couple of good catches. Because I think if you can get around like eight to 10 PPR points from a tight end, I think that's pretty decent for um, the week in, week out basis. And anything above that, that's all great. But that's what you expect from the guys from fourth to 12th. Um, but. I think when you get to the top three, these are the guys that you really want to make sure that um, if you're going to draft them, these are the guys that you're hoping to get you production and and really justify the value of why you picked him so high. So at three, I got George Kittle. So last year he got injured, but he finished at the tight end 19. Uh, he had 125.1 PPR points. He only played eight games. He had 630, uh, 634 receiving yards and two touchdowns. He gave you 48 uh, receptions on 63 targets. So even only playing eight games, I mean, 63 targets, that's a lot of targets for um, a tight end only playing eight games. We got to think about going back to Robert Tunyon, right? Robert Tunyon only had 59 total targets in 16 games played, and George Kittle had 63 in only eight games played. So that's pretty crazy to me. Um, the good thing about it, you know, he, he last year he was, you know, he had 11% of the targets, so that was third on the team. But you have to understand, too, he was hurt. I think majority of the time he's going to be Garoppolo's number one guy. Um, 
but then now you think about, okay, is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo? What if Trey Lance now becomes a star? Would he utilize George Kittle like Jimmy Garoppolo does? Like, that's the only thing about, that's why I have him ranked third because of the injury history. Also, like, a change in quarterback, or is he going to be utilized the same way? I think George Kittle is the best overall tight end in the league um, when it comes to being a blocker and being a guy that can catch the ball. And that's another downside, too, is, like, he is a good blocker, so he doesn't get the opportunities to be that receiver like Kelsey or Waller. But um, I do think that with George Kittle, another downside, too, is Debo Samuel. You know, these guys, Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk, these guys are going to be trending, you know, upward. I think they're going to have a big opportunity this year. I think these are two guys that could definitely be uh, very good value picks for the wide receiver position. Um, they're very, they're definitely undervalued. I think they're super talented. I think they could take that step up this year. But um, I think three for George Kittle is a justifiable position just because of who I have at one and two. And at two, I got Darren Waller. Last year, he finished as the tight end two. He had 278.6 PPR points. He played all 16 games. He had close to 1,200 yards. He had nine touchdowns. He had 145 targets. He led the league in targets, and he had 107 receptions. So Darren Waller, if you had him, you're really happy with him last year. Uh, the good thing about it, he had 29. He had 27% of the target share that led the team. And then the next closest guy was Nelson Aguilar with 16.7% uh, target share. That was only 91 targets, so... I don't see much of a change this year, even with the addition of John Brown. I don't think that really changes his his target share. I think he's so he's so talented, he's so athletic, he's such a mismatch that I think that he's still going to receive the same amount of targets. You know, he was top five in, in end zone targets this year or last year. And I guess the only if I had to say anything down about Darren Waller is is Henry Ruggs, that that guy that steps up this year. Like I mentioned, John Brown. Does that provide enough for taking targets away from Darren Waller? I don't I don't think so. I think Darren Waller is Derek Carr's go-to guy. I just don't think that that's going to change this year. I just still I still think Darren Waller is an elite t- fancy tight end and um I don't know if I'll take him early in drafts, but he's definitely a guy that the value's there if cuz I play in an auction league, so if the value's there, I'll definitely go grab Darren Waller to have a set it and forget it type of tight end, but um for me, uh Darren Waller's two. And obviously, the number one ranking of 2021 for me is Travis Kelsey. I mean, you can't debate that. He was the tight end one last year. He had 312.76 PPR points. I mean, that's insane. He only played 15 games. You know, that's an insane stat for a tight end. He had 1,416 yards and 11 touchdowns. He had 105 receptions and 145 targets. That tied with Darren Waller for lead, for the the lead league or the lead the league lead. Um, and he had 42 of those targets in the slot. So, you know, the thing about him is that he's so dynamic. They, the Chiefs use him in so many different ways. He comes and does motions. They give a shovel pass. Like, he's a guy that if he's – got to always pay attention where Travis Kelsey is because he has opportunity to score when they get close to the end zone. So, um, you know, he was top three end zone targets last year. You know, he's in the top, you know, top passing offense in the league. He has Patrick Mahomes as, as his quarterback. I mean, you know, he is the guy that's going to – he usually leads the leads. Uh, I cannot talk right now. Jeez, he lead. He usually leads the offense for the Kansas City Chiefs in targets. He had twenty four percent of it. So the target share. So when you talk about Travis Kelsey, it's always gonna be Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I think that's gonna be same old, same old. And you know, I think like that doesn't change. I don't see any. I haven't seen anything. You know, 
that makes me think that Travis Kelsey is on the decline. I think you probably have another one or good, you know, two more good years with him. But Travis Kelsey for me is number one guy. So there you have it. Those are all my rankings for tight end for my top 12 tight ends. So to kind of review, I got Travis Kelsey at one, Darren Waller at two, George Kittle at three, Mark Andrews at four, Kyle Pitts at five, TJ Hawkinson at six, Noah Fant at seven, Dallas Goddard at eight, Logan Thomas at nine, Robert Tunyon at 10. I got Mike Jasicki at 11, and then I got Evan Ingram at 12. So let me know what you all think. You know, please let me know what you think about the rankings. You know, leave a comment. You know, do you see why I do, like, I, I rank these guys where I have them? Um, I would love to hear about your rankings and what you would change. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below. Let's let's talk about it. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where these are things change. You know, I could always change my rankings up later on in the off season when it comes to, you know, closer to the season. But as of right now, um, these are what I have. This is what I have for the, the top 12 tight ends. I mean, if you really look at it, you know, the tight end position is a very, very hard you know, position to really get consistency out of unless you have a Waller, a Kelsey, or a Kittle. If you look at what happened from the fancy points from receiver 1 to 12, Kelsey had 312.76 PPR points. And the 12th tight end last year that was considered a, a top or a tight end one was Hunter Henry at 145.3 PPR points, right? So, you know, only one tight end scored over 300 points, which was Kelsey. And he only had one tight end score over 200 PPR points, and that was Waller. So, if you look at that from wide receiver three to 12, there was only a 31 point difference that separated those guys. So unless you, like I said, unless you have Kelsey or Waller and maybe in a healthy Kittle, you're, you're pretty much trying to stream tight ends. Unless you have a guy that's a, that's a, one of these guys that kind of comes up every year. We have a guy that just blows up and has, uh, he was a sleeper that, that no one really thought of. And he kind of blows up and all of a sudden he's a, he's a, he's a waiver wire pickup. But you know, that's, that's the thing about tight ends. It's almost like, uh, kind of like the quarterback position. You got the guys that are going to be super, uh, you know, efficient and that you have a lot of p- fancy points, but then you have, you get, then from one ranking to the next, it doesn't separate a lot. So I think that that's where tight end is as well. So just really pay attention to that when you're looking at your draft board and, and trying to kind of hold back and not be so eager to get some of these guys, you know, after a, a Kelsey or a Waller. But, but yeah, so that, and there you have it. I mean, if you have any fantasy football questions, please email me at chip at gridironfantasyfootball.com. Um, you know, I'll leave always leave an email down in the description if you want to, you know, give me an idea of what kind of videos that you're looking for for the rest of the offseason. I'm still gonna do my my overvalued players, my undervalued players, and some of the sleepers that I will uh I think are are be guys that you can you know look for in your draft um throughout the offseason here. But um if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us over on Instagram at Gridiron Fantasy Football, if you want to see us on Twitter and or follow us on Twitter and Facebook about the Gridiron Pod. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You know, like I said, please, you know, leave a comment, share, um, like this video and the podcast. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I'll be going over some of my sleepers and undervalued players in the next coming up video. So hit subscribe so you don't miss any of those videos. Um, but that's it. Hope you have a good day and we'll see you on the next video. Podcast, take care.